one of the most fulfilling things for me is to bring somebody on board so they can show their skill, especially if it happens to be at a regional level, national level if possible. I get a high off of that. I sit back and I just watch it like, wow, man, that's, you know, I have a hand in that and it feels really good. So my main thing is just leveraging my network. My, my phone book is a huge part of it. And I just, you know, I, I just enjoy the process of it. Hello and welcome to The Daily Helping with Dr. Richard Schuster. Food for the brain, knowledge from the experts, tools to win at life. I'm your host, Dr. Richard. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, and whatever you do, this is the show that is going to help you become the best version of yourself. Each episode, you will hear from some of the most amazing, talented, and successful people on the planet who followed their passions and strive to help others. Join our movement to get a million people each day to commit acts of kindness for others. Together, we're going to make the world a better place. Are you ready? Because it's time for your Daily Helping. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Daily Helping Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Richard. We've got an awesome guest to share with you today. His name is Joel Green. He is the CEO of Pro Level Training the national director of Nike Sports Camps, a former professional basketball player, and a renowned motivational speaker. After retiring from his career in pro basketball, he founded Pro Level Training, which has become a seven-figure company in addition to running PLT. Joel is also the national director for Nike Sports Camps, as well as an accomplished speaker and TEDx presenter. He's got a lot to tell us. I'm excited for the show. Joel, welcome to The Daily Helping. It is great to have you here. Dr. Richard, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. And I know you have a brand new book that just came out. We're definitely going to talk about that. But, you know, as, as people who listen to this show know, I get so excited to know people's why. So let's Let's jump into the Joel Green time machine and let's talk about that journey. Tell us what puts you on the path that you're on today. Well, I've had a number of different whys along the way. I'll put it that way. Um, as a teenager, you know, early on, it was the passing of my, one of my older brothers, you know, tragically out of the blue. And uh, that became a huge why for me in regards to a major motivating factor of life and, you know, towards school, academics and sports and earning scholarships and things of that sort. Uh, as I've grown older, it's become my son. You know, I still have lingering effects of my former why, but uh, now it's more so my son who's, you know, who watches every step that I take, every move I make, just like the song. And, um, and that's why I do what I do. I go as hard as I go. That's why I read as much as I read so he can see me reading and he's only nine. So I'm still teaching him different words and things like that. Um, so that's, I would say at this point, it's my son for sure. And just trying to get the best out of myself. I'm super uh, competitive for myself. And, and so, you know, you kind of book into two, two examples, one being uh, a brother who, who tragically died, who set the example for you. And then now you as a dad trying to set the example. I want to, if you're open to it, talk a little bit about your brother. Um, how old were you when he passed away? I was 17 and he was, uh, he was only 25. Okay. And, and so, you know, prior to his passing, you know, were you like on the track for scholarships and success? Were you, you know, on the, on the wrong path? Like how did, how did he, really shift your trajectory? 
Well, he was the one that really started me off in basketball. Um, and I was on the path for sure. I was okay. definitely on the path for scholarship. I had offers, you know, but it just wasn't, I wasn't personally as focused as I could have been. I'll say that he would give me advice all the time and I would take it. I applied it. I was an all city basketball player, even by that point, but I could have been doing more behind the scenes. And, you know, once he passed, I, I made a promise to him that I'm just going to put it all together. And I'm going to get as many scholarship offers as I can. And I'm going to choose the one that I want. And, and that's what ended up happening. And I, I did a little, you know, snooping around on ESPN.com before we connected. And so you were at one point rated as uh, the number one prospect. In well, not number one. That would have been nice. I was up. I was 30. Um, 30. Okay. I was, right. you know, so I, I was top 50, you know, um, right. in, in prep school. And that was awesome. Uh, it was a heck of an achievement for me. We, I was on the number one team in the country, though. All right, maybe that's what I read. Yeah, and, so but, I was, on, yeah, I was on the number one team in the country. But still, with, there, yeah. there's, you know, probably a thousand kids who are trying to get college scholarships every right. year, and being in the top thirty. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you, you suffered an injury. Uh, tell yeah. us about that. Yeah, that that was tough, man. You know, playing this game that I love for a lifetime, then to, you know, to be the number one recruit for a school, and then all of a sudden I get there before the season even starts, I tore my hamstring. That was tough, man. Just to have to watch something that I love doing was the toughest part about it. Uh, it wasn't the pain from the injury. That was just more so a nuisance and something I felt was in the way. But it actually made me better in the end. I began learning in a different way. Uh became more of a student of the game. I saw the game differently because I had to sit with coaches during practice. And I began watching the game, honestly, as an extension of the coaches. So. It, it helped improve me. Um, I didn't want to sit out, of course, but it, it's, it's a part of my story now. I, I think there's so many lessons that somebody listening to this who, who doesn't plan on playing professional basketball can take from this, you know, that that sometimes these things happen to us and it gives us an opportunity to take a high level view, a different mm-hmm. view as to what we're doing and how we're doing it. Um, out of curiosity, uh, what was your dream school, if I might ask? My dream school, look, I, I wanted to be like Mike, just like everybody else growing up. You right? see, wanted to be a Tar Heel. Right. I wanted to be yeah. a Tar Heel. You know, <laughs> so that's, you know, that when I when I was probably six years old, I saw this documentary come fly with me, or, you know, and airtime with Michael Jordan. And I saw this sky blue and white jersey that he was wearing. This is young Mike with, with hair, you know. And I'm like, okay, I, I want to wear that same jersey. So I wanted to be a Tar Heel growing up. That you know, things changed as I got older, and I realized, okay, they weren't looking at me as I wanted them to. Uh, a couple schools in the conference were, but they weren't. So some things changed. And, and so you know, I'm I'm going to fast forward a bit through your basketball career because it's what you've really done after that defines mm-hmm. you. So you know, when when you stop playing ball, and, and we've had a number of you know professional athletes on this show who have talked about life after basketball, life after mm-hmm. football, you know, but you, you did something totally different than most athletes do. Talk to us about, you know, why, like, why, why did you start your company? Why did you get so heavily involved with Nike? Like, what, what was it that drove you to do that? You know, initially it was just something enjoyable. Uh, during my off season, I would come back home and it would be kids back in Philly, in Philadelphia, just asking, hey, man, can I shoot around with you? Can I work out with you? And I would tell them all, no, you can't handle my workouts. There's no way you're going to, I don't want you to hold me back. 
And this, this is one kid. I never forget it. I never forget him. Kid named Tadeus. He would ask me all the time. I'm at, I, I, look, I can, I can hang with you. I'm like, I'm like, no, you can't. I said, but here's what you can do. You can rebound for me. I said, so be ready tomorrow at five o'clock. So I'm going to pull up at your house. Be ready to walk out. It's 5 a.m. So I'm going to be at your house. I'm going to honk the horn one time. If you don't come outside, I'm leaving. So I said, all right. And I went to his house the next morning. And as soon as I honked the horn, I saw the lights pop on in his house. He sprinted outside. And, you know, he would sleep on the way to the gym. Woke him up once he got there. He rebounded for me the entire time. And just as a thank you for him, I said, look, I'm going to show you a few things afterward. And I began enjoying that. So he became my rebounder every workout, 5 a.m. workouts. And I saw how dedicated he was to that. So I would give him a treat. I'm like, all right, I'll work you out for 20, 30 minutes after my workout. And I enjoyed it so much. I said, man, bring one of your friends next time. And I just began doing that. This is during my off season. So I knew once I stepped away, I wanted to get into this. It, it was it piqued my interest like I never realized it would. So I even decided to step away a little bit sooner to start my company. I got my business license while I was in Europe playing abroad. And um, it just I felt like I kind of had to the way I saw the in, in, it impact him. And he, he was really changing rapidly. I said, OK, I, I can do this. So that's really interesting and, and cool in that, you know, you realize, I mean, you know, it wasn't it wasn't an injury that ended your career. It wasn't that, you know, you were too old and couldn't keep up with the younger guys coming into the game. It was mm-hmm. that you felt compelled because of the impact you made on, on this one young man mm-hmm. that this is something you wanted to do professionally. And, exactly. and I, I have so much respect for that. And so. You know, I, I I know that you you gave a TEDx. Uh, tell us briefly about that, and we will link to that in the show notes if anybody wants to check that out. But tell us about the the topic you spoke on. Awesome. Well, um, as far as the TEDx that I gave, it was not long after the pandemic and, and shutdowns began. Um, it was originally set up before shutdowns. I think March twenty twenty was when everything shut down. Or twenty nineteen. Um, it was a, it's been a blur the last couple of years, but. Um, once everything shut down, they asked if I would convert convert it to virtual. I said, absolutely. I said, impact is going to be impact. So I decided to do the talk virtually, uh, the TED Talk, and chose the topic of equality. You know, there was so much going on during this very same time as the world shut down here in America. The whole lot of racial tension. You know, George Floyd incident just happened. Breonna Taylor not long after. It was just, it was a whole lot going on. And I, again, I felt compelled to bring it up, to talk about it, um, to bring light to it. And I decided to uh, name my talk Three Essentials uh, for Equality and just gave three steps that we can do as as a country, honestly, as a world, toward bringing about more equality and and, uh, just lessen the hatred that so many people have toward one another. So that's what I decided to talk about. One of the things that that I love and a couple of my recent guests have talked about this in particular and that sports is so unique and that it's really the place where differences seem to matter less Mm -hmm. uh you know locker rooms gel and you have people from all different backgrounds so you you mentioned these three steps which i presume you took from your experience in sports i'd love for you to to talk about those 
Yeah, uh, you know, the, the recepts is something that I speak on often, um, you know, to different organizations, universities, to teams, sports teams when I talk to. It's, it's the first step is to have a childlike imagination. And that's just, you know, getting people to honestly revert back to the way they were as kids as far as their belief system, believing that all things are possible, you know, and just really diving into the creative side to come up with ways toward any objective. You know, whether that be quality, whether that be business or just family life, you know, just have that childlike imagination to where you don't limit yourself and your thinking. Um, the second step is, is very important and people tend to love this one, but it's need your wants. That's to where I, I tell people so often you have to change your language, change your thinking, you know, because what you say, your subconscious is going to take it and believe it and run with it. And I tell people, stop saying you want everything. Convince yourself that you need that thing. That way your pursuit of it will change dramatically. And that's just really how I've seen life work. When I've told myself I only want this thing, I go after it as if I only want it. Wants are optional. Needs are vital. You have to have those things. So I've been telling people you have to need your wants, which is step two. And the final step is to simply focus on the journey. You know, I tell people that because I don't want them to mistakenly focus on the goal, the end result itself. Because if they focus too much on the end result, then they're overlooking everything that it takes to get to that end. And so often when you overlook things, you depreciate things. Or even if you overlook a person, you know, you depreciate that person. Those depreciated things and those opportunities and those people tend to leave. So just trying to give people, you know, some methods, some tools to, to help them complete some objectives. And those three steps are two, uh, three of my favorites to talk about. Hey guys, Dr. Richard here. For the past seven years, I've been privileged to bring you incredible guests who are changing the world and can help you become the best version of yourself. I'm really excited to share with you a new quiz that I created based on my clinical training that will curate for you a custom list of my top episodes and actionable strategies to help you wherever you are on your journey. All you need to do is go to drrichardschuster.com to take it, and it's 100% free. You'll be taking the next step on the journey to unlocking the power of you. And I can't wait to see where you'll go. I love those. You know, we, we actually did a whole episode on a childlike imagination. Uh, Jen O'Leary, who is one of my favorite people on this planet, came on and talked about, he, he wrote a whole book and did research on this subject. Wow. And it is amazing how you know a child asks the questions you know doesn't have the preconceived notions doesn't have the limiting right. beliefs so i love that but what i really want to talk about is step number two because this is really cool wants are optional needs are vital and the way you phrase that it is so interesting because by saying like oh i i, I want to lose 20 pounds. Okay. Mm -hmm. You want to lose 20 pounds by saying, you know, I need to lose 20 pounds because, you know, my cardiovascular health or whatever the motivating reason mm -hmm. is depends on it totally shifts one's perspective as to how somebody's going to accomplish a goal. So I, I think that's fantastic. Yeah. I think the needs put you in the or else place. And that's where so many of us needs to be because let's go off of your example. If you went to a physician and they said, Hey, I want you to lose, you know, 20 pounds. 
He say, okay, you walk out of there like, okay, I'm gonna go ahead and, and, and make an attempt to lose some weight. But they go, if you go to them, they say, hey, look, you need to lose 20 pounds. There's a difference there, you know. They're saying because they, now it's a or else, like, well, wait, why? Why I need to lose? You know, you didn't question the want when they said they wanted you to lose. Okay, all right, cool, thanks, Doc. But if they said they need you to lose 20 pounds, you're asking questions at that point because you feel like there's an or else that may take place. And that's the place that I put myself in intentionally in that or else I burn all bridges. It's a method I came up with. It's in my book. I call it the now approach. No other way, you know, to where I make sure I I eliminate options, (laughs) you know, by telling myself I need to execute on this objective. And there's no other way outside of this. I put blinders on and I attack it so that I don't have a plan B. Now, obviously, if I have to have a plan B, it'll present itself. But I put myself in a state of mind to where I must execute on this task or I must execute on this task. This is really what it's about. And more often than not, something great comes about. Even if it's not the exact desired end, I come mighty close or actually go beyond what I originally desired. Yeah, I I recall uh, famously Jack Canfield talked about you know, chicken soup for the soul. And mm-hmm. he had his, his goal was to, I think it was to make a million dollars with this book. And I think he made like 997,000, if I'm right. getting the numbers right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if, if you accomplish 97% of your goal, you're, you're probably still pretty darn happy. So exactly. I, I, I love that. So, you, you know, you tease that the, the now method is part of your book. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the book is just came out. It's available everywhere. Tell us the title, and and I want to dive into it. Perfect, perfect. Uh, yeah, so the book is called "Filtering: The Way to Extract Strength from the Struggle," and you know it, it's it's I put everything into this book as far as just you know all that I've experienced and had to persevere uh, beyond. It's a it's a whole lot. Again, we we discussed a few things earlier just in regards to my brother and. Um, there's just even some correlations between my brother and my son, the day that my brother passed away on, that's my son's birthday. Wow. Yeah. 11 years later, my son was born on the exact same day. You know, so it, it went from a day of true sadness, man. I'll be honest with you to almost a day of redemption in a way. He didn't replace my brother, but you know, it just was like, whoa, I don't feel the same on that day anymore. Um, but there's a whole lot of stories in there that I, I give and examples that I provide some nuggets from some notable people, Kobe Bryant. We had a, an extensive conversation one day for about 25, 30 minutes. And he, he just gave me a lot of nuggets, a lot of information. And, you know, I, I provide as much as I can to help people to give them their, their daily helping, their daily dose of, of insight, uh, and even intel that can help give them some foresight on, on life, to be honest with you. I see how cyclic life has become and the patterns of it. So I'm just trying to, you know, lay it out as simple as I possibly can. You know, what I what I like about your book is that everything that you give is is pretty simple. You know, like you've got mm-hmm. the acronyms, but you actually have steps. It's it's not mm-hmm. just this ethereal, you know, you can do it. It, it no, actually, no, no. you know, habits, mm-hmm. you know, that people can follow. And, yep. and I, I really enjoy that. Um, so I, I wonder, you mentioned Kobe and he was always one of my favorite players. I'd love to know some of the, some of the nuggets for success that uh, he told you. 
ultimately, again, one of the things that was very interesting, I didn't fully understand at the time. I I completely get it now. I over overly get it now. But he hit me and said, you have to be willing to see black. He gave me a whole lot of tips, a whole lot of advice. And he repeated some of the, the same things about four or five times. I mean it too. It just kept repeating the same thing. And, you know, he, he, told, he said, you got to be willing to see black. And what he meant by that was you have to be willing to go all out. You know, for him, he was saying you got to be willing to pass out, if you, you know, if you're going to, you know, give your all toward this thing that you said that you love. And I get it now. You know, I understand now looking at his his his, his career, 20 year stretch, he literally gave everything. You know, he was willing during each and individual workout to see black, to tap out, to take a knee because he just couldn't go anymore. And that advice helped me so much, obviously, not just in basketball, but in life to where it's like you have to be willing to go all out and see where your threshold is. That's the only way you can extend your threshold. And so that's what I began doing. And I began seeking failure. I began seeking my threshold. I began seeking my end so that I can have a whole new beginning after that end. It was just life became fun at that point. I love this. Uh, so one of the things uh, I'd love for you to talk to us about, you know, you built and scaled your company, uh, took it nationally very, very quickly. Uh, yeah. And you did this with your middleman model. Mm-hmm. Share that with us. Tell us what that model is. So yeah, my motto is having a whole middleman approach to, to what I do. And that's literally leveraging my network, right? So with every network, there's two sides to every network, multiple sides, not just two all the time. But the way I look at it is my phone book, that's everyone I know, right? And they know me rather, but they don't know everybody that I know, right? So I can reach out to a friend, let's say Mike or Dave, and I say, you know, hey, Mike, I know somebody on, you know, over here that can help you with XYZ or that we can both help you do XYZ because you have a certain skill set. But I keep myself in the mix, right? I realize everybody that knows me doesn't know everybody that I know. So I just look to make connections with different people. And I leverage that to the best of my ability. If someone can help my company with their skill set, I bring them in to be a part of my company. And ultimately, I connect them with what I have going on on the other side. So that's uh, something I really enjoy doing. I love making connections. I love helping people in regards to helping them to enhance and increase their skill set and shed light on their skill set. That's one of the most fulfilling things for me is to bring somebody on board so they can show their skill, especially if it happens to be at a regional level, national level if possible. I'd get a high off of that. I sit back and I just watch it like, wow, man, that's, you know, I have a hand in that and it feels really good. So my main thing is just leveraging my network. My, my phone book is a huge part of it. And I just, you know, I, I just enjoy the process of it. So it's all about the relationships and it's about being able to connect the dots, right? Right. I love this. Okay. So I, I, I would be remiss because, you know, people who achieve success at a high level, they do it because they're very regimented <laughs> from a success standpoint. I know that that's something that's important to you. Talk to us about some of the habits that you implemented on a daily basis to, to achieve success. Well, let's say so much of what I do now, again, my foundation has become my athletics, you know, my, my mindset, my mentality, 
I draw so much of what I did on the court, you know, on the track and things like that. You know, I really pull a lot from my foundation. So when I was playing, you know, professional basketball and even prior to then, I would wake up really early just so I can maximize on how many workouts I can squeeze into the day. I would love to get like three, at least three good workouts in every day in the off season. And that way I feel like, hey, if everybody else is, this is when I was competing, yes, with myself for sure, but I knew that there were external competitors out there. So I knew if they're only doing two and I'm doing three, over time, I'm going to get a little bit better than them. So I will wake up at 4.30, 4.15, and start my day and go to the track and then come back and eat a 2,000 you know, 2000 calorie breakfast and, you know, get ready for my, my strength workout and come back, eat a big lunch then go be on the court for three hours with my trainer, come back, eat a huge meal and then go and have a, you know, a two hour game, you know, in the evening. I loved it. And I have the same approach now to where I wake up early and I, I start, I try to get in as much Again, I, it's work, but I don't like always like to refer to to as work in a because work kind of has a bad rap, <laughs> you know the word work. But you know, I get up and I do what I do. Um, that involves a workout every morning. I work first thing I do actually do is I wake up and I pray for about twenty minutes, twenty twenty five minutes, and I have a light breakfast and then I work out. I have my second breakfast, which is a, you know a little bit heavier. And uh, I, I get to work by that point. It's usually that's all, all before eight o'clock. So it's uh, that's, that's my morning regimen. And, and when I start my day off like that, it sets the tone for the day. Well, I, I know most of us aren't going to have uh, two meals by eight o'clock. But what I, what I heard from <laughs> right, you, right. what I took from that, that that everybody can get on board with is you start your day early, which Absolutely. has been a theme you know, we've we've talked about the Miracle Morning several times on this show uh, with Hal Elrod. Um, it's so important to have a morning routine. Um, you talked about having a space for quiet, you know, mm. prayer or meditation uh, that people can engage in to kind of get right mentally before you really hit hit the day. If you feel like having two breakfasts, Joel Gray approves of that. But, but the other <laughs> thing I heard from you is really just a mindset, is to outwork mm -hmm. others. If somebody's doing yeah. two workouts a day, you should do three workouts a day. And, and I think, mm -hmm. you know, for anybody listening to this, that's easily translatable into whatever your line of work is. But, you know, hard work wins. Hard work wins. Absolutely. So I love this. Joel, uh, you know, this has flown by our time together, but but I really like how grounded you are and how practical the advice that you have in this book is. As you know, you know, I wrap up every episode by asking people who come on my show one question. And that is, what is your biggest helping? That one most important piece of information you'd like somebody to walk away with after hearing our conversation today? Um, don't be afraid of the dark. I would say that, you know, and what I mean by that is we all life happens to all of us. Let's not act like the dark moments didn't happen. You know, um, I dare say the most successful people lean into those dark moments. They draw from those dark moments and, and use those things as motivation for themselves to make life that much brighter. You know, but we can't ignore those dark moments and sweep them under the rug and act, act like they didn't happen. So I, I would say, you know. Lean into those dark moments that may have happened and don't run from them. That's when that's when you'll really see that there's light within darkness. And, you know, to not be afraid of the dark will be my daily help. Beautifully said. 
Joel, tell us again the name of your book and where people can get their hands on it. Well, the name of my book is Filtering, uh, The Way to Extract Strength from the Struggle. And uh, you can find the book on Amazon. If you go to my site as well, joelbgreen.com, it'll likely route you to Amazon. But um, you can go on there. You'll find the paperback, the uh, Audible, which will be available in a day or so. And um, also, you'll see the Kindle version as well, the ebook. So whichever you guys like, uh, it will be an awesome experience for you. I promise you. Perfect. And we'll have links to that in the show notes at thedailyhelping.com. Well, Joel, I have greatly enjoyed the conversation. I love the work that you're doing in the world. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Dr. Richard, I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Absolutely. And I also want to thank each and every one of you who took time out of your day to listen to this conversation. If you like what you heard, go give us a follow on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review because that is what helps other people find this show. But most importantly, go out there today and do something nice for somebody else even if you don't know who they are, and post it in your social media feeds using the hashtag MyDailyHelping because the happiest people are those that help others. 